Amen. I bring you greetings from First Baptist Church of Plano, and we are so grateful for this partnership. I just want to start by, by sharing that. Love Pastor Paul Kim and my friendship with him, and, and we're really grateful that y'all moved with us. You know, when First Baptist Plano had this dream and looked to relocate and build a new campus on the George Bush Highway, we, we were not sure if, if our partner congregations would want to come. And so it's really special that we're all in this together. And I just want to share this too. First Baptist Plano is a partnership missions church and has been since long before I became the pastor. That, that if we partner, if we seek to work together with other believers in other places and locally, that we, can, that we can do more, and that's what this is about. Our partnership with Forest Community is partnership missions. It's for the sake of the gospel, and that said, I want to say we celebrate the baptisms that have been taking place in Forest Community Church. We celebrate with you, and we say praise God. Amen? Amen. I want to I say a, a brief prayer over us before we look to God's word, and I invite you to pray with us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray for each one of us that we would seek you in this moment and pray that very simple prayer. God, would you speak to me? Speak to my heart. Speak into my life. And show me your way, your truth. We pray, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. At, at First Baptist Plano, we, we have, yes. Oh, we need to excuse the kids. Okay. At this time, we excuse the kids. <laughs> and uh, I, was, I was about to preach to y'all, and y'all might not have been ready for that, so. <laughs> Grateful to have a house full of kids, too, amen? Amen. Y'all, y'all got a bunch of kids. That's great. Praise God for that. So they go, they go to children's church. Yes, that's great. The First Baptist Plano, we have kind of like your house church where you have some groups. We have that where it's mostly we meet in rooms here at the church. We have these great fellowship groups, and, and they have a great time of Bible study each week, and they also, they also get together for, for a good time, for fun, for, for especially in a season like this, for like a Christmas party and things like that, and they get, they get a little bit lively. I need to, I need to tell you all a little bit about this church that you all are partnered with. It's, uh, it's pretty crazy. They, they like to, to, many of the groups, do a white elephant gift exchange. Do you all know what that is? Do, have you all ever done that before? You've done that before? Okay. A white elephant gift exchange. And in fact, I brought with me a few of the gifts that I have received at these kind of events, these parties. I got my, I got my orange bag with me. And so I'll, I'll show you. First of all, I'll show you this. This is from one of our more senior groups. They had this Santa hat that sings. This, what y'all think? Yeah, and this one is, is, is kind of a high-end one because this one you can actually turn it off. 
Most of these, you, once they get going, you can't get them to stop. And you just, you just start to talk. Just stop! But, and then I'll show you one more. This one is just, it's terrible. And so white elephant gift exchange, you're, somebody's going to bring something kind of cool, kind of nice. And, 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 and then that's what everybody's going to fight over. And mostly it's not that at all. It's stuff that no one wants, right? And then, and then everybody laughs and, and you're fighting to not receive those things. And so every now and then you'll have one that no one brings anything any good and the whole thing is just a mess. Well, one of our groups have this fanny pack that looks like a belly with a belly button on it. And I don't know if you would wear this to like Six Flags or like Disney World or something like that. Um, and I'm not sure that my wife would let me. Um, th- this... This is what I received. And there's some things that I can't even bring in my bag. It's just, my wife, she was hunting for a, a, a present for a party like this, and she found this, this mink stole. And it, it's like the, it's, it looks like, a, well, it looks like an animal. And, uh, and my, my son got a hold of it, I have my middle son, and he, he decided to play with it, and so he's taking it everywhere, he takes it to school, stuffs it in his bag, didn't tell us, and so he's pulled out this mink, and he keeps, he keeps calling it the dead animal, and he brings it with him, and it was, uh, we, we had to like, uh, they, they asked us questions at the school about it, and that didn't even end up in the, in the, the gift exchange, um, but this, this is the kind of thing that people, people do, and you're like, what do I do with this, you know, and so my, one of my favorite though, my, my grandfather was a country pastor. And evidently these kind of parties have been going on for a long time. They had the, the gift exchange. And he, he had this, this friend in the boot making business. I, I mean really nice like cowboy boots. And does anybody like cowboy boots? Every a few okay. Hey, it's Texas. Okay. He, was, he had this friend that was really, really, in, he had this in the manufacturing business of boots. But what happened was they had this whole pallet that got messed up. I mean, these were like six or $700 nice boots. And they got messed up. And this is how they got messed up. They accidentally made all left boots. And so they're boxed up, and they look really nice. And, and but, but how, how do you, what do you do with that, right? And so... At a discounted price, my, my grandfather bought all, all the boxes. So he would be set forever for the white elephant gift exchange. And so, but his was interesting. This looks like the good gift amidst all the other not so good gifts. It gets fought over. Ooh, these are really nice. And, and he wouldn't mention until the end that because no one was actually putting them on that it was two left boots. And with that, it looked really nice, right? But actually couldn't really serve much of a purpose outside of white elephant gift exchange. Interesting, in in the scripture, in Luke Chapter 3, the story and the message of John the Baptist. John the Baptist has this bold proclamation with the people. This pointed message. And the message is about, it's, it's to a people that on the outside, it looks 
really good, but really and truly, the value and the purpose weren't there. Bold message, Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3, we'll look to verses 7 through 14 of Luke chapter 3. This is, as Pastor Paul mentioned, it's a season of Advent. And Advent is an anticipation. It's an anticipation of the coming of Christ. And with this passage and looking to the story of and the message of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was the forerunner. He was the one to prepare the way for the Christ. Looking to John the Baptist, it can help us in a season of anticipation, in a season of preparation, if you will, that we might, as church, as families, and individuals, as we might seek to prepare the way of the Lord also. Especially in these walls and especially outside of these walls. May we prepare the way. And let's look to, to the message of John the Baptist to help us do that. Luke chapter 3, starting in verse 7. Scripture reads, and we'll pull this up on the screen as well. It says, John said to the crowds coming to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. John just called the people a brood of vipers. He's come out of the wilderness eating locusts and wild honey. He's the one that was, there's, there's prophecy about from the book of Isaiah as the one who would be the one to prepare the way to come out of the wilderness. And he comes with this message and, and something to share about the overall message of John the Baptist as it prepares the way for the Christ. This is a message of repent and be baptized. But here, verse 7, you brood of vipers. Okay, I, want, I just want to ask the question. There is, in preaching, Sometimes the message kind of steps on your toes a little bit. Have you ever heard that before? Okay. Does anybody like, do you like that? I've been, I've been asking this question. Do you like the, that message that kind of steps on your toes? Some, some say yes and some say no. I say absolutely not, okay? I don't like a step on the toes message. I need it, maybe, yes. But listen, John the Baptist was a step-on-the-toes kind of preacher. There's a, there's a boldness here that is evident. Brood of vipers? He just called the people snakes. I, I have a picture of what a, yeah, that's a big LED wall with the snake on it. And he's looking at you. He's looking at you. This is a picture of what a very poisonous snake would look like in that region. This is, a viper would be a snake that would be very deadly and that the venom so poisonous would, 
wipe out an individual's nervous system. And that, that's, that's not fun. Anybody kind of jump? Oh, anybody not like snakes? John's message to the people was that you're poisonous. It was a people that were steeped in tradition. There was a faith in their families that had been passed down. But in that tradition and with the faith passed down, anyone here, there's a faith passed down in your family? That would be certainly true of my family. I'm a, a fifth generation Baptist preacher. There's nothing wrong with tradition. Tradition is great and we want to pass down a faith. But at some point, tradition's not enough. Hear that. At some point, tradition's not enough. At some point, the faith of our fathers or our forefathers, my grandfather who was a pastor, or his grandfather who was a pastor, at some point that faith has to be owned by me or it's not my faith. These were people who thought it was enough for that faith just to be passed down as though they just inherited it. And if they kept that mentality, it was going to poison the message and the spread of what, what was about to be the Christian faith and church. And it, and it was not to be, it couldn't be, and it was going to be up to John the Baptist to help, in a very pointed way, point the people to the right path. You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. It says, and this, this is a primary message of this passage, it says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. He, he, he's sharing with them, okay, you're saying, we're just resting on the fact that we're descendants of Abraham. It's not enough. And, and God could give, make these stones into children of Abraham. He's saying, this is not where it is. He says, the axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down. And thrown into the fire. Bold language. The axe cutting down the tree, thrown into the fire. What should we do then? The crowd asked. And John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? It says, don't collect any more than you're required to. In, the, in that tradition, that the tax collectors, often they took off the top. And they took more than what was required. And they had this reputation. And this would have been counter to that reputation. It says, then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? And he replied, don't extort money. And don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your your pay. And there was a, a tradition, some, with the soldiers that they would, as it says, extort. It means to look for personal advantage. 
And, and sometimes in their position, they would lord it over people and look for an advantage, and it gained a reputation. And John says, it, it has to be different than that. He replied, don't extort money. Don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. And in that contentment, you won't be looking to try to take advantage of somebody else. That's what he shares. So he's going back to verse 9 where he says, the axe is already at the root of the trees. Now, the, the title of this message, you have this illustration about the fruit tree, is the fruit tree. But I, I really thought about having the title for this message be The Axe. I really thought about it. And it, it really comes across, it sounds like a message from about the 1950s or the 1960s. Are you familiar with hellfire and brimstone preaching? You familiar? Okay. This is a hellfire and brimstone sermon from John the Baptist. It really is the axe. That the axe is at the root, at the root of the fruit tree. And if it doesn't produce fruit, it can be chopped and thrown into the what? The fire. Now, I, that makes me nervous, okay? There's an intensity here that I'm uncomfortable with. But this is God's word. And I'll share with you, as I'm not your, your preacher every week, I'm not at all a hellfire and brimstone preacher. It's not me. But this message is so bold, almost offensive. Someone could be offended by this, but it's God's word. It just so, it seems it comes across harsh. Was that John the Baptist's intent was just to be harsh? No. He was calling them to something. The gravity of the moment was high. Jesus is now in the flesh. John's preparing the way, and the people weren't ready. And he's trying to get them ready and understand the significance of the moment. And with this and with the language about the acts, what this must mean is this, what John's sharing, and it's, it's about, he's going to explain about what repentance is and looks like in our lives. What he's sharing is it's not optional. This is not uh, kindly suggested. This is bold truth. This is what it looks like. I have this from, this is from Dr. Joel B. Green, Professor Green, who's one of the, the most known Lucan scholars in the world. He says, for John the Baptist, the urgency of the moment even now, the axe is lying at the root. Allows for no leisure in this matter. No leisure. 
as we anticipate, prepare, prepare for the coming of the Christ this Christmas, couldn't it be said that sometimes we take a leisurely approach as we live out our Christian faith? Sometimes it looks a little bit complacent. We did this last year and the year before and maybe the year before that. And we have our traditions and we like them and traditions are great. But do we appreciate the urgency of the coming of the Christ and that this is no leisurely moment? It says, people, from Dr. Green, people must act at once to manifest their realignment. Realignment means we're not where we need to be, and we need to realign for the sake of the Lord and what he's calling us to. Realignment of loyalties. Realignment of loyalties, that is repentance. Realignment of loyalties around God's purpose in concrete ways. And there, God's purpose, key word purpose, is how we understand this illustration about the fruit tree and about the message of John the Baptist and what he intends to speak to, preach to, with the people coming from the Jewish faith, the traditionalists, purpose, the fruit tree. So, you like, you like fruit? Yes. And in, in, in this, we, as individuals, we are the fruit tree. That's our understanding for this illustration to work from John the Baptist. I'm the fruit tree. You're the fruit tree. And I, I, I tried to plant fruit trees in West Texas when I was a kid, and I didn't grow anything. So, I, I don't know a whole lot about. But I like, I like an apple. And I like a pear. I don't really like oranges. Do you, do you like fruit? Okay. So fruit tree. Good fruit tree. It's going to grow and have amazing production of fruit to be enjoyed by many. But that fruit tree that does not produce fruit, meaning it's grown from the root, and looks to be a healthy tree, but it's not producing fruit. What the scripture is saying and would imply is that that fruit tree, what's the point? It's not a fruit tree at all now, is it? What, what the scripture is saying is that fruit tree is not fulfilling its purpose, and that's not good. Why keep that tree? Chop it down. That's the Bible. And the question for the moment, as we want to prepare the way also, is I'm a fruit tree as you are a fruit tree. Are we fulfilling our purpose? If you've, ever, if you've ever thought and wondered if you're worthless, if you're meaningless, nobody even cares. There's no point. I'm useless. I'm garbage. 
there's no point for me. All of that is false. It couldn't be further from the truth, and it hasn't been true one single day of your life. God created you and me with a purpose and a plan, and he is good. He created you with a mission. In, in our church, we look to, one time, a sermon series with Jesus and his prayers, every single prayer recorded in the Gospels. Jesus' prayers, every single one of them, he's praying through his mission. He's always focused on mission. And I just want to share, each and every one of us, we are, we are created by God, we're called by God, and we're pointed to his purpose, all of us. No, 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 we're not always good at, at discerning what that purpose is or living it out necessarily. But it's there, it's real, and it's every single day, the fruit tree. Do you know that about yourself, about your life? God has a plan right now for you. Are you living it out? And the, this imagery, it's tough. Well, I don't want to be chopped down, it's, but it's calling us to something with this. It's that urgency. So, so with this message from John the Baptist, helping us about purpose, produce fruit now. Produce fruit now. Sometimes we want to wait. Any procrastinator in the room? I'm seeing a few. Yeah, sometimes we want to wait, especially with faith. And maybe when the kids get a little bit bigger. Maybe when I work through this job situation. Now I produce fruit. Now, and this is, we're looking to Luke 3 9, the word already. 3 9, already. The axe is already. And this is the part that's tough. I'm about to get chopped down. We're talking. It's a message about the judgment of God, but, but it, this is a message about urgency and a calling that's now. And, and that helps us to know how to process for the sake of application. The word, this is the word already from the Greek. This is from the original language from the Greek dictionary. Already by this time. Even now. So how do we take on purpose? My purpose and calling even now, I have this from Crossway Bibles. It says, and this is expounding on this. It says, the kingdom of God, and this is the message. This is it. The kingdom of God is not a remote future event. We always want to think about the future. Oh, one day this. I'll pray that God's going to do that. And the future is important, and we do absolutely have a hope and a future in him. Hear this. The kingdom of God is not a remote future event but was revealed in a new and decisive way in the ministry of Jesus for which John the Baptist was preparing the way. And what that meant for John the Baptist as Jesus was in the flesh, it meant that Jesus was now. We're not talking about a remote way down here. We're talking about today, and that's why the urgency, and that's why this pointed message. And so for us, as we consider thousands of years later, is Jesus now today? Absolutely. Jesus is now. And that means my purpose must be fulfilled in him. Now, produce fruit. Now, we had a, a guest preacher several weeks back, just a, kind of a legendary Baptist preacher. Richard Jackson was here. He's in his 80s now. Preacher of the gospel. But he was sharing that when he first 
sensed a call to the ministry when he was in high school. He mentioned to his father, who was a pastor. He had mentioned to his church, he let it be known, I'm, I'm sensing this call to the ministry. And his dad immediately said, okay, this uh, Sunday night, you're on, you're preaching in the church. It's First Baptist Church of Grapevine. And he said, what? I, I mean, I'm just, just trying to learn about this. I'm just, I'm a kid. He said, uh, I'm just trying to process this call. And his dad said, Come Sunday night at 7 o'clock, we'll all know whether you're called or not. <laughs> I resonate with this because my father was a pastor, and I sensed a call to the ministry when I was 15, and immediately dad put me in a pulpit to preach. He didn't say that. I would have got scared. But Dr. Jackson's father, he understood something. And something that was real then, and it's certainly real today, and this, this scripture captures it. It's that calling isn't about tomorrow. And it's not something that we're looking to do at some point. It's today. And there's, there's something this Christmas that, that you're to do, that, that the Lord has placed on your heart. There's a production of fruit that's now. It's to serve a neighbor or, or to, to share the message of Jesus with a coworker, or it's to disciple your children about what Advent is or it's, it's whatever the Lord's placing on your heart. But understand the urgency. If the kingdom of Jesus is now, and that's certainly what is ushered in as we celebrate Christmas, it means today. And then it means that the Lord Jesus must have my yes. Does he have your maybe? Fruit tree. Talking about purpose. What it actually says in verse 8, we're talking about produce fruit now. What it actually says is produce fruit in keeping with repentance. This, and the, so produce fruit now. We're talking about purpose, the fruit tree. In keeping with repentance. This is, is John the Baptist with his forerunner message about repentance and baptism. This is John the Baptist in a great practical way explaining what repentance looks like. So, so for anybody that's ever wondered, now re re repentance, what it literally means is, is you're going one way, it's, it's to 180 turn. A, a 180 turn. And we, we, we can't do that on our own. We, we aren't able to, to fix our lives with our own broken selves. The way we can have a 180 turn is through the transformation power of Jesus Christ. God sent Jesus, his son, and he was captured and he was crucified and killed on a cross. And then he was put in a tomb. He didn't stay dead. He rose again. And there's new life offered in him. Also with that, there is a power in God that can bring dead things back to life. He brought Jesus back to life. And in that, there's a transformation power that can turn your life 180. For anybody that's looking to get over some addiction or to, 
to find restoration in a relationship or to, to be on a different track only by the power of God. But then John explains that repentance about producing fruit with repentance, it must look like play out in relationships. And the people ask the question, and it occurs three times. What should we do then? What this means is this message is extremely effective. Even after being called snakes. What should we do then? Anytime we, we gather like this and we open God's word and we ask that question, that's a powerful question. What should we do then? And what should we do? It says, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. Anyone who has food should do the same. This is about relationships. It's about people. Lay your own self down. Serve somebody else. Jesus didn't come to sit high on a throne and lord power over people. He came and washed feet. And if we are going to be his disciples, we're going to serve others and lay our own selfishness aside. To the tax collectors, don't collect any more than you're required to. This is a 180 turn. This looks different than all the other tax collectors. This is how you treat people. And once you do, people are going to know that there's something different. That repentance that plays out in relationships and with the soldier. Don't extort money. Don't look for that personal advantage. Be content. And in that contentment, it looks like all, looks like, looks different than all the other soldiers. And that print repentance, that 180 turn, plays out practically in relationships. And what that means is that repentance and that turn that we have in our lives is not something that we think through or just pray through. And it's not just something that happens internally, though it, it, it must and should. It's an external response in fellowship with people. There's somebody that we can serve. And, and this is great to process at, at, at this time of year. Let's do something for somebody else. Let's live our repentance. This says John, verse, verse 7, the first verse we read. John said to the crowds coming out, to be baptized by him. I was, I was reading this over this morning as I was preparing to preach. And it, it just really hadn't struck me who the people were. I, I knew they were, the, they were the people with the tradition. And they, they claimed that Abraham was their descendant. But they, they were the people coming to be baptized. And there was a movement of people at that time being baptized by John the Baptist. And this was the message to the people being baptized. I started preaching a lot when I was 19. And I looked like 15. And I sensed that people thought I was young. 
to preach. I have, especially at that time, really good vision. But I found these glasses that were completely fake with just glass in them. And I wore them, and I sometimes wear them when I preach. And then use them like this, and then pull them back like this. And then put them in the end of my nose. Because I thought maybe it would make me look older. And, and it was ridiculous. <laughs> and it really just made me look like a young guy with glasses. It was just fake. John said to the crowds coming to be baptized by him, the, the crowds coming to be baptized by him based on his message were putting on. They were fake. It was for show. It wasn't really real in their hearts and lives. It was a facade. It was just in keeping with tradition. It was It wasn't real. As we celebrate Christmas, anticipation as we prepare the way. Let's not have complacency. And may it not be a facade. Or to come across just a certain kind of way. May this Christmas be about authentic repentance. as it plays out in relationships, as we obey the call of God on our lives now. Because we know that the kingdom of Jesus is now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you Presented Jesus, and I thank you for the anticipation of the coming of the Christ. We thank you for the message of the forerunner who prepared the way. May it be us now who prepares the way. And through our authentic repentance, authentic baptism, through our authentic faith that's lived out in relationships, our authentic obedience as we say yes now, our authentic fruit tree that bears real fruit. Help us with that authenticity. Be you who you've called us to be. And I pray that the people we come across would know about what repentance is because of that transformation power that they see in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This time, we're going to have a, a, a time of, of worship and response and invite you to worship with us. And also, I, I just encourage to consider as we sing, give praise to God. What is the authentic response for my life 
the Lord would have me respond? What's he calling me to? Is there a repentance that needs to take place? Respond in worship.